Hello, this is Edwin Nagy from the middle of Maine. I'm super excited to introduce Gaming and BS episode number 376 on January 10, 2022, the year of the BSer. Welcome to Gaming NBS, the Tabletop RPG Podcast. I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome to the show, folks. Welcome back. Edwin, thank you, bud. That was awesome. Very, very cool. Yeah, thanks, Edwin. It's always, it's cool when BSers like get in on that stuff. It's just fun because uh, that's just cool. That's just yeah. cool shit. Yeah, it's cool. So, Sean, how the hell are you, man? Been Dude, a bit? It has been a bit. I'm doing I'll throw I'll, I'll throw a, a non-gaming thing at you. I got my... Uh, got my father home from the physical rehab place last week so he's home seems to be doing okay yes thank you <clears throat> had the old follow-up doctor's appointment today and of course still can't quite figure out exactly what um triggered his episode of look like his adrenal system completely crashed on him and blah 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 so we'll figure all that out right it, 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 it off just like taxes man right off just just pretend just pretend it never happened yeah um, he almost said that he goes, maybe I should just forget about like that. Whoa, whoa, easy. <laughs> like you're, you still need a walker to get around. You're still not even close to 75% to where you were before we went in. So let's not, let's not just assume this is where you're going to be for the rest of your life. But anyway, he's in really good spirits and that is great. So, and that is, that is really, really good. That is So, good. yeah, let's see here. Um, gaming related stuff. I had another session of my world of darkness campaign. It was quite good. <laughs> the um, I have I haven't been using the willpower, <clears throat> spending of willpower, checking against it, and so on and so forth. It's a it's a very fun and useful tool for me in the World of Darkness games I run to kind of ratchet up tension because it's um it's kind of like sanity in a way. <clears throat> I, I, I liken it to that and call it Cthulhu, having it drop or spending it and back and forth. So it's a pool that you like you're spending, getting back, spending, getting back. And um, it, it makes you, it doesn't make you turtle up, but it makes you be a little cautious sometimes and sometimes act crazier or whatever it is. It's just, it's, there's, it's a good, uh, it's a good tension builder. And I've, uh, I'm going to start using that more, gonna jack it back up a little bit. But other than that, that was really good. I've got my oldest boy, Connor. Um, he's active duty Air Force. He was stationed um, in down in Colorado, and he was able to come home for the week. So that's really cool. They're on 24, uh, what, what, what do you say, 12-hour shifts, 24 by 7. But his his department is one of the only ones that have spare people, and he's the only guy who wanted to leave, so he got to come home. <laughs> so I'm like, hey, play the system, brother. So anyway, he's home. Which is kind of cool because we get to hang out, do cool stuff, and he wants to go to Evercon, which is this coming weekend. So that'll be fun. So first weekend in March here, Evercon, I will be there. I've got two games I'm running on Saturday, an Avalon game and a World of Darkness game. And my uh, my youngest daughter, Alana, is actually running a game too, so that should be pretty cool. Looking forward to that. Oh, and we played another um, another the second session for the uh, session, a Warhammer 4th Edition. My buddy Alpha is running that. It has... Um, uh, momentum rule, similar to liken it to the uh, the Conan two d twenty, where you get momentum. <clears throat> you watch the d ten rack up, gives you more successes and so forth. We're a little, um, we're getting better, and the rules are happening faster. 
right? So it's it's getting pretty good. It's it's a lot of fun. I'm uh, I'm a dwarven slayer, so I'm just I'm just headbutting and smashing, cutting everything I get my hands on. So it's been pretty good so far. Other people have been terrified of stuff, and I just leap on things. And Zave looked at me and said, "You're gonna die." I said, "That's the entire point. <laughs> That's the dwarven slayer's goal is I want to die gloriously in battle." So anyway, it's been going well. So Sean, how the hell? Uh, what do you got going, man? How's your gaming? How's uh, your gaming life, Sean? Fantastic. But Blake wanted to know, World of Darkness. Are there hunter? Are you playing hunters or base mortals leading into another game? Um, we're playing base mortals in a. Think of it more as a investigative cryptid, almost a Delta Green type of adventure with uh, World of Darkness mechanics. <laughs> yep. Oh, New World of Darkness stuff. Yeah. I see. That's fantastic. It is. It's quite fun. I, uh, the, the two groups of Forbidden Lands now mm-hmm. and a Feng Shui game on Sunday that will wrap up, I think, this, this coming Sunday as of this recording. So we're in on a cargo ship uh, about to wreak havoc, which has been going kind of rough, I think, in the initial phases of getting in there and maneuvering around the ship. But nonetheless, we'll get the job done and we'll die trying. Forbidden Lands game tomorrow night, uh, and then the first session of the four to six trial period has kicked off. A little rough, and I say rough as in first session, getting to learn the rules, <laughs> setting, but, you know, I expect it to smooth out. Good. Yeah. Very, very cool. Yeah, but that's that's it. Considering doing play-by-post. <clears throat> Oh, yeah, you talked about that. Yeah, I think I'm going to do that. I just don't – I got to figure out what I want to do and who. Like, it was originally going to be to facilitate my buddy Joe that's in Hawaii, but he's more interested in playing virtually, online. Like, okay. he has Tuesdays off, and with uh, Hawaii being – I don't know what it is now, five five hours difference. And then wait till daylight savings because they don't observe daylight savings. That'll throw you off a little bit even further. Right. So he's yeah. like, I would prefer – Virtually, so maybe in a game in May for that guy. Virtually okay. Tuesday nights, we'll see. Cool. That's yeah. That's that's all I have to say about that. Awesome. Yeah. Well, well. Speaking of stuff, so if you're in the Wasp, Wisconsin area, evercon.org, check that out. That's this coming weekend. Um, I'll be there. Uh, I know Sean's not going to make it, but I'll be there with. I think half my brood will be there. We'll be roaming around. My wife will be there too. Some of my gamer buddies that I hang out with up here will be there as well. So that'll be fun. Um, other things though. Oh, I, I'll be remiss if I didn't say if I didn't do this because I said I would do it. So Eileen, one of our mods and a, just a great all-around person, gamer um, and whatnot. She works at the Fantasy Books in Belleville, Illinois, St. Louis Metro. Uh, not to be confused with Fantasy Books and Games in Fairview Heights because that's her sister store. She's in the Bellevue. Belleville, excuse me, Belleville location. She's trying to run some uh, D&D games at the site, at the store, to try to get a little in-store action going on there. She's having a hell of a time getting players. So um, she shared this out on Twitter. I reposted it. Um, if you're in, if you're listening to this, you're like, hey, I'm in that area. I know somebody around there who'd like to play D&D and whatever. Eileen's a great person. She's a good dungeon master. She's just a great player. Good person to have at the table, no matter what. So check her out in Discord. Ask her for details. Bug her. Hit her up on on the Twitters if you can or whatever. But uh, I would love to try to drive some 
some decent gamers her way. So anyway, if you know anything, uh, if you're in the area, you want to play, Eileen's re- willing and ready to run some stuff. She even said she'd run Avalon. So that's pretty fucking cool in my book, obviously. So, uh, yeah, get a, if you get a chance to uh, help her out, help a gamer, man. Anyway, I, I told her I would mention it. So by God, I did. You, you did. I did. Anything else, Sean, announcement-wise? Uh, no. no. So let me ask, before we go on any further, so gaming, uh, BSRCon, like I, I had to miss it because of family stuff. Do you feel, now that the post-con high is worn off, do you feel like we're doing this again? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Are you thinking yearly? About the same time? Yeah. I do want to do, I want to do a week and Saturday and maybe half Sunday, and maybe only and me. Uh, trying to think Saturday, and do just talks. I don't like know. Seminar? I don't know like, if that's got like, wheels. Like seminars or something? Yeah, talking about RPGs. People could submit what they want to talk about. <clears throat> like, and I don't know if it's like half hour, and then do it every, like on the hour every, yeah, every hour every hour, but a half hour talk. So. Hey, you want to talk about hex crawls, how to run one? Boom. Hey, you want to talk about a particular game? Boom. Hey, you want to talk about meta currencies? Boom. Like just make all gotcha. kinds of stuff. Yeah. And it, no wrong, no right answer. Just anybody who is wanting. I mean, yeah. Yeah, that's Half a, there's hour, a way. 45 minutes, I don't know, maybe. Maybe an hour. Kind of with a stocked panel or with an open panel of like, <laughs> hey, here's topic. Thinking about tracks. Beginner, yeah. expert, you know, player, yeah. GM advanced maybe okay. or or like game track and then it's just about specific games like i'd have to have criteria around that stuff but yeah i don't know i don't know yep. see gamers are like i want a game so why do i want to listen to these guys but i don't know we have enough discussion on our discord i think sometimes it would be well one of the things that's interesting is those are the things in a <clears throat> in-person convention that you ha- often have happen in between games right so that's when like forced gary and i are hanging out at gary con or game will con somebody walks up says hey blah 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 and they're like hey brett and sean what do you guys think about this you said you run invasive what do you, why do you like it let's talk about this and then that leads into a discussion of horror and fear mechanics and investigation and yeah it's absolutely it's that type of thing but trying to capture that lightning in a bottle from a virtual perspective right, okay right, right. Yeah, yeah i think right. that might have some legs man i think you got something there yes yes i think so maybe very cool okay yeah, yeah. cool anything else no What's random encounter up there? Random encounter segment in the show where we field emails, voicemails, comments from social media. Yeah, that's it. I gotta say, I gotta say before we go too much further, Sean, you look incredibly relaxed, and um, you there's there's something of the dude in in, in you right now. I I, uh, <laughs> I just I don't have it, I don't have it zipped up. This thing gets really super hot, and I hate just wearing <laughs> just a t shirt. So I'm just saying, it looks really really like. Lounging at home, right? Yeah. <laughs> you really got you got it down. Yeah, <laughs> I am look, wearing pants. Look, by the way, I'm just saying you look comfy as hell. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Oh, good. All well, our anyway. podcast listeners will really enjoy that. I know. I'm just saying they whatever you picture Sean wearing, they look comfortable. That's what he's wearing. That's that's what I'm wearing. Yes. Anyway, random yeah. encounter. What do we got? Random encounter. Uh, first one we have. Oh, Jesus! All messed up again. This is fantastic. Hmm, how do I fix this? One uno momento. Why is it like this? Uh, That is not. There we go. That kind of works. 
what do we do this? That's not gonna work. That might work. Oh, for freaking Pete's sakes. Hold on. There we go. <laughs> Random encounter. First one we got is the warden. Writes in. On episode 375, motivation, believability, and immersion. To get my initial interest in investment in a game, it needs a good elevator pitch. Like a dog seeing a squirrel from the corner of his eye, a good pitch could make me stop and chase that game up a tree. Since that explanation alone is vague and unhelpful on its own, I think the <laughs> ultimate question I want answered is, why am I playing? Or why does my character get involved? In some cases, why is the game different or unique? We'll do the trick, but that doesn't always work out in the long run. Sure, Dark Sun takes place on a desert world, and that's one reason why it's different, but that's like saying Dune is about people fighting on a sand planet. But to know that Dark Sun is a game about harsh survival on an alien world that's about as Tolkien as a Lovecraft story, now you're getting somewhere. I guess what I want nowadays is a more believable purpose for my character, all of the characters, actually. Why do our characters have to have to save the day? Probably should scroll up. Eh? Yeah, yeah. Why do they have to save the day? That's a big one for me. Playing in worlds where powerful rulers of large kingdoms who need to hire mercenaries to stop something evil feels weak and repetitive. Giant monsters are found on every damn hex, but the toughest NPC in the book is a merchant or a sergeant at arms with 20 hit points. With 20 hit points? <laughs> been there done that status quo has failed but even then haven't i played that already recently i've been really appreciating games built on allegory that represent something else in the real world like how night witches is as much about world war ii fighter pilots as it is about rampant sexism and misogyny it's always it's always seems uh, seemed like science fiction had a monopoly on allegory, but other genre can help us address other issues in the form of fictional characters and fictional worlds without shouting it from the rooftops. It doesn't even have to be built into the game itself. You could run a Dark Sun game with a strong environmental component to it as you play characters following the orders of a defiler, only to discover the horrific consequences of their magic on an already perilous <clears throat> world. Sure, it's the defiler who's corrupt in the world, but they don't they didn't do it alone. It's an approach I've applied to in my own designs recently. For example, Pandora Total Destruction is a game about supers with destructive powers and systemic institutionalizations. Sure, you're very powerful people with powers beyond imagination and control, but you're also prisoners locked up because of factors beyond your control. Ironbound is much about colonization and sacrificing personal moral, morals in the face of war as it is about witches chucking spells at giant machines. Incorporating these difficult subjects into action-packed games has allowed me to address issues important to me in a format that could be leaned into as hard or as light as you prefer. Much like watching Terminator 2 still makes me ponder the horrifying prospect of nuclear war, I want games that make me think on the drive home in ways beyond which feet I should choose at the next level. Hmm. I think what's interesting, Todd, and this is where <laughs> I, I see that <laughs> what you just talked about, the talk, like, hey, I want to talk about this thing. If Todd was right here right now, we'd be like, okay, I like what you're saying. 
<clears throat> what I want to ask is, do you need that baked into the mechanics, the core of the game? Or it sounds like he doesn't and that he would be just as good with me saying, hey, I'm going to run this game, this D&D game, this Vason game, this whatever game. And uh, this is what the campaign's about. Right. Uh, because, you know, the mechanics for Savage Worlds. Yes. Well, this is what this campaign is about. Oh, OK. You know, and I think I think there's um, there's the can't if when someone tells me, hey, I want to play. Do you want to play some d and I'm like, I like D&D. What what um, what do you what are you thinking to do with it? And sometimes I'll get a blank stare. Like, what do you mean? I'm just going to play d and I'm like, OK, you're just, it's kind of quote unquote generic d and All right. You know, are you running Storm King's Thunder? Are you doing something like that? And other time when someone says, oh, I'm running a Greyhawk game using second edition rules. We're going through the Rary, the Trader timeline. Huh. That sounds interesting. What roles do you play in there? How do you do that? You know, if you've got a little bit more. <laughs> and I think there's a there is a weird thing that Dungeon Masters, Game Masters, we have done in the past. At least I have caught myself doing where I wanted to keep certain things secret. Like, ooh, I will I will display this later. I don't want to I want to give them just enough to get hooked and then ta-da, here's what the Here's what the story is. And that's okay. Like if you have, um, I can do that to the crew I play with on a regular basis because I've been playing with those guys for over 25 years. And like, okay, we have absolute trust and sure, let's go and do this. Where if I'm going to run an Avalon game for some BSers, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to say, this is the game. <clears throat> this is what the adventure is. It's the, at, least the, the, at least the basic hook that I would put into a con game. There's something bad in the neighborhood. It's at the old brewery. You need to figure it out. Kids are going missing. Ooh, got to go solve that problem. The other thing I do, I absolutely agree with him, is that I think there's... Um, I started out, especially in... Uh, don't start with Save the World stuff all the time. There's another one I can totally see where he would be like, eh, you know, kind of tune, tunes out of that. I'm not a huge fan of always having to save the world all the time. Eventually building up to that can be fun, which is one of the things you do in a level climb type of thing. But yeah, like the um, the World of Darkness horror game I'm running right now, it's about people did something, something bad is going to happen. It's either leaking or something weird's going on. What exactly is going to happen here? Nobody knows the extent of what this of what this bad thing is or how deep it goes. But at this point, it seems con contained to this area. It's just trying to solve for the local area. Whether it has world-shaking ramifications or not, nobody has any, any idea yet. So, But I, I like, his, I like his, th his thoughts around that with it being, tell me more other than we're going to play D&D. Or, hey, let's play a Star Wars game. <sighs> Are you talking, you know, rogues and villains Star Wars? Are you talking Jedi Star Wars? Are you talking, you know... Well, what are we what are we doing here? I want to play a Lord of the Rings game. Okay, um, first, second, third, fourth age. Where where are we at? Where timing? What do you expect us to do? Are we NPCs following the larger plot line? Blah blah blah, all of that stuff. I think having a little bit more into it and not trying to keep some of those things secret or hidden is for the better. So anyway, Todd, my question to you would be: Am I correct with saying that? It would, you need this, you're looking for the same type of detail from either a campaign or um, a game system itself, game system slash setting. I think that's what I'm hearing you say in that, but let me know what you think, man. But otherwise, thank you. That was good. Yeah. Thanks, Todd.
next one is from the warden also comments on episode 374 rough draft oh no kids it's time for another episode of rpg to filmmaking comparisons brought to you by kodak we swear we're still in business i think kodak is kodak still in business oh. so <laughs> it could be some film directors 100 true to the screenplay they have every <clears throat> shot and storyboard to look like they made a comic book adaptation of the movie before they yell action in many cases these are directors who also wrote the screenplay sound familiar Others use the blueprint approach. The screenplay is a guide and the crew will adjust as needed or desired during filming. Perhaps the best example of this is the Lord of the Rings trilogy. The script was being rewritten on a daily basis. Action sequences were made up on the spot during filming and revisions were made during the editing to end up with the final version. It's the most expensive independent film ever made. It was a joke on set. All the while, they were still <clears throat> they still had to adhere to some of the absolutes about Middle-earth and the progression of the story already written down in Tolkien's books. And yet still be able to make it their own film. It's not locked in stone to direct one way or the other. It's a plethora of variants to suit the creative approach of those involved. Some actors want to work with directors who let them bring their own creativity to the film. And others like to be told exactly what the character does and thinks. It's why I believe in auditioning players when looking to form a new group. Present them with an overview of how I like the GM direct and what I expect from my players, my actors. But that's another topic. It all reminds me of watching The Firm with Tom Cruise in theaters way back when. Two women sat behind us constantly commenting on what happened uh, that way in the book and why it didn't. Shit you not, and this quote is burning my brain, damaged head for eternity. One of them said, in the book, she didn't take the dog with her. It was the only time I gave the glaring shut-up look to an adult in the theater. <laughs> now, those are some commonalities between RPGs and storytelling and other forms of fiction. Yet RPGs are a horse of a different color. By the very nature, elements of the story change during play is decided by player actions and randomizers. Screenplays, books, and even video games allow you to come back from death to try again without any concerns of continuity. Do not kill off characters or accidentally blow up something important because they rolled a one. Everything in other works of fiction happen because the people writing it are in full control. It happens because it needs to happen. The hero solves the puzzle because the author wants them to solve the puzzle. They're not sitting at the keyboard pulling their hair out because their hero sucks at riddles. For me, all games are rough drafts. Drafts. The text, regardless of who wrote it, is a guidepost. Trying to stick to the script feels like whittling away a player agency. This particular thing has to happen because that's in the script. Yet we use a randomizer to create spots of failure here and there, and crits don't happen on their own. If anything, I prefer to use the script adventure as a guide. This is what happened before, and what the NPC's goals and motivations are, and how things appear when the heroes arrive. What happens next is up to the player. Even if it means she doesn't take the dog with her, <laughs> I agree. I think I think that totally makes sense. There's lots of different ways to do it, and um, one of the things I, um, I was trying to get across that may or may not have done a very fine job of it. There, Todd was like the idea that it's not perfect. You know, even if it is like 100% scripted out, and that's how you absolutely do stuff. You're right. Then that kind of whittles away at player agency, right? But because there's randomizers in there, it's going to be different. You know, if you've made the first time you've run it, it's your or somebody else's nonsense that you've pulled together to try to make a game session out of. And it's an untested prototype for you. You've never used it. Somebody else may well have used it, but that doesn't mean shit because <laughs> you've never run it. You've not tried it. You know, that that exact encounter with those exact players. It's a, it's a prototype of in one way or another from my perspective. So I like what you say there, though. Thank you, sir. Very good. Yeah, thanks, Todd. Very good stuff. Over to you, sir. 
James Carruthers emails us on a few episodes. Hey, Brett and Sean. Hope it's not too late to say Happy New Year and all the best 2022. So this is a little dated. That's all right. By our, by our own shortcomings. That's okay. Thanks again for another year of BS from you guys. I never miss an episode. Comments on a couple recent episodes. Regarding when good, good dice go bad. Personally, I feel my dice swing up and down pretty evenly, but we definitely have one player at our table who rolls an amazing number of ones and other numbers below five. His name is Dustin. It really blows the mind to see it week after week, month after month, year after year. But it's really true. His dice suck. We all know it, and it's a running joke, and he just plays on and takes all his ones and twos in stride. He's a really, really good sport about it. So, to all the listeners who are naysayers about bad dice, I say this. It's true. <laughs> they argue... Uh, they argue that's not how uh, how random dice rolls work. They're right, but there's nothing random about it. I say it's a very targeted curse. It's personal. It's not no. It's not random. It's Dustin's dice, and it's always Dustin's dice. What is luck? Does it exist or not exist? Does it? If it does exist, and I say it does, then a die roll can be luck. A person rolling dice can be lucky, and so on. Luck, by definition, is imbalanced, sometimes persistently so. Ergo, Dustin, I rest my case. Brett's creativity and advice on playing a character in a support role is good and totally viable. But here's what was going through my head while listening to you two whine about your icy dice, legitimately so. This is how I think Sean can play a great, fun D&D game. Yes, even in combat, without taking on a support role. Play a halfling and re-roll ones. Take the luck feat and re-roll a d20 three times a day. Play a DC spellcaster. This is way easier than you might think. And take the guidance cantrip. I will take his word for it. Here are some sample combat spells that do not require an attack roll. Include some of the most hardest hitting and classic attack spells. These are many to choose from, but here are just a select few. Acid Splash, Create Bonfire, Sacred Flame, Toll the Dead. All smite spells always hit eventually, but uh, you never lose a spell slot. Burning Hands, Hellish Rebuke, Ray of Sickness, Tasha's Caustic Brew, Dragon's Breath, Flaming Sphere, Fireball, Lightning Bolt, etc., etc. Not to mention all of the buffs, Abjurations, Healing, and Utility spells. Unfortunately, if you like playing a class that relies on hitting things with a weapon, you're out of luck. Unless you take the luck feat, you lucky little halfling. <laughs> then there's the tangent that's sprouted out of this one regarding whether or not our roles are a tight, strict pass-fail or whether the roles are more open to DM interpretation. Oh, boy. Other listeners have already provided some really great feedback on this topic, so all I want to do want to add is to say that I think the interpretive style is perhaps more prevalent than Sean wants to admit. Fair. We've always played that way, I believe. Haven't you ever called for a role even before you know what the DC is? I do it all the time. Some PC says, I tell her I, we've never seen any marauders on the road. 
I know the player isn't being totally honest, so I asked for a Charisma Deception check. I don't have a preset DC in mind because it just comes up organically and spur of the moment in the role-playing. When I hear the result, I play the NPC response accordingly. We use dice this way all the time, and I doubt our group is unique in this. Hell, I even do it during combat sometimes. I'll narr narrate that a near hit or near miss actually has some kind of effect. Same with spell effects. I'll call for a roll even, even before I know what the DC is and narrate something that feels appropriate to the number on the die, just because it's fun. But our fun may not be everyone's fun. My group likes rolling dice and living by the dice in order to generate a more swingy game. Sometimes we even actually roll stats for new characters for some of our games. The tension and sometimes wacky results that dice provide are foundational to the fun of the game for us. That's true. I know Phil McClory, he loves dice. D6s, like 50 of them. Because he can't roll any sixes. <laughs> I'll speak on behalf of Phil. All right. Regarding confusion, ignorance, discovery. My group and I are your age. One guy is a manager level engineer with BC Hydro. One is a computer science guy in an upper level management. One is an environmental engineer who oversees large industrial cleanup. And one guy is a chemical scientist working on a cure for cancer. Huh, smart group. God, wow, I feel he, stupid. He even says I that. feel drastically stupid right now smart group in of that guys. company. Yes. Damn, it's a smart group of people. Smart group of guys, right? But they are amazingly inept at following the plots and clues of the game. Hey, man, I know PhDs that are just idiots. Uh, not that yeah. they are, but I'm just saying. Stupidity. Oh, no, no, man. Stupidity knows no bounds. <laughs> If it was, it should be called uncommon sense, as my father would say. Carry on. Right. Uh, on and on. Well, now we're we're never going to get these guys to listen to us. On and <laughs> no. on throughout your episode, the only answer I could think of was this. Hit them with the clue by four. A big, hefty clue by four. Used repeatedly every session, every week, ad nauseum. Even when they take notes. And when the tables are turned and I take a seat as a player, I have to admit that I also lose track of what's going on all too often. Last time was during Dragon Heist. I was a player in that campaign at our table, and I had no idea who was who or who we could trust or what we were supposed to do next and why. Why is this phenomenon so prevalent? Personally, I think the answer is simply that at the end of the day, and my group's games are always on workday evenings, so sometimes it's all, it's at the end of a very long day. It's just a game. We get together and goof off. We RP and with tons of melodrama kill monsters and bad guys, we murder hobo all over the place, and we take their treasure. If the DM manages to weave a semi-coherent plot thread through all this to hold the story together for a bunch of brain-tired professionals who are hoping the game helps them win, wind down, wind down, <laughs> wind down, forget the workday life for four hours, then more power to him or her. Hit the PCs with another clue by four and move on to the next scene. Take care, guys. James Carruthers. There's some really, really cool stuff in here, James. Thank you. This has been a this has been some really good emails in. Um, I like the idea of the uh, the spellcaster component. We t I think we touched on that in that episode, but I love the fact that you dove into it big. And I feel for Dustin. I think I am. I think Sean and I are either our our, our group's Dustins when it comes to dice because their dice are terrible. <clears throat> um, I like. Where's I getting into here? So when you talked about the um playing the 
of the things I think is important when you talked about the tangent we got off on, like the pass fail versus interpretive dice and so forth for Dungeons and Dragons. One of the things I think that's interesting here is I'm reading that you're implying you guys do this all the time. You said the words all the time, and I take it that you're not just saying that to be a smart ass. You're saying, hey, look, this is just how we play. We do this. And there's a there's a really cool thing, and Sean and I talked about this, I believe we did, after we got more feedback from old school and a few other folks. Like, you know, consistency is part of the key for this stuff. Is that if you're a group, it sounds like you do. You have a consistent way that you have found that works for you. When we are playing, we like to roll dice like this. We like to use this approach. And you're able to consistently apply that approach for everything that you're doing. And that, I think, is a huge win for your crew. Because the the folks you're playing with understand what's coming on. And um, they, they know how to... They know what to expect, right? It doesn't. It doesn't show up like, oh yeah, guess what? I've decided for interpreted. I'm going to interpret this one, but everything else is pass fail tonight. Like, why? Just rando? What the fuck, man? So what you're saying there, I like that. I think that's really cool. And I'll tell you, you know, Sean, I think James' piece here, like, you know, a bunch of brain dead professionals for four. Yeah, there's absolutely something to be said for that. That. We take this shit very seriously. Obviously, Sean and I have been doing this for seven years plus. <clears throat> we take this very serious. People listen to us. Gamers, we put a lot. Any, anytime you, pay, you spend four hours a week doing anything, a hobby, you take it serious enough that you're scheduling your life so you can make this happen. But I have to admit, there's the um, there are times when my game breaks down because somebody told a stupid joke. And that reminds somebody of a different joke. And then the game sidebars for a little bit. Because it's just good. I mean, I'm not a hard ass like Sean, who um, Sean doesn't allow for any of that nonsense. But I, on the other hand. Oh, um, have the tables have turned. <laughs> if there were tables, I'd be turning. Them. Brett used yes. to carry sidearm to every game in case anybody got out of line. Look at this. Now I'm just, I'm getting soft. Getting soft, soft my old age. Yeah. Soft. Like the Pillsbury Doughboy. Whoa. Damn. Wow. Harsh. Maybe without the physique. I mean, but come on. <laughs> Come on, man. Generally speaking, we're pretty on point because that's how my group likes to play. But, you know, that's one of the reasons why we'll game for a while. We're like, okay, hey, let's take a break. Everybody gets a drink, grab a snack, take a five, ten minute break. Somebody has to go to the bathroom. What's going on at work? Whatever it is. And then I'm like, okay, back to the game. Then we dive in. But I like I like the other that piece that James is talking about there. I think it's pretty important. That's pretty cool. As far as the 5e pass-fail thing, yes, we do a little narration. Oh, so close. Oh, you missed it by just this much. Oh, you grab on the vine and, you know, you're there, but you didn't make it. Like, all that is pretty kind of standard. Like, yes, I get that piece and I get that Uh component. But there's, to me, and I know... You know, old school is like right here, this page, highlighted, bold print, right here on a oh, billboard. Also, and he gave us a shit ton of examples yes. in, published, in published adventures that did the exact same thing. I'm terrible then. I am. I, I just have to go rethink my life because I, the, the, the things that I witness or I run is still a, did you cry? Did you jump the cavern or not? And according to the rules... It doesn't matter what I roll, because I can. I can jump the cavern. As long as the game master says yes. Yeah, you can. can. You can. Like, cause it's, yeah, a, you can. It's, it's not. You, you, just because you didn't make the roll doesn't mean you didn't succeed. It's a success yeah. with a fallback or a Correct. setback. 
And to me, that's like, what? That doesn't, that doesn't compute in this brain. That's, that's not D&D for Sean. It's an, it hasn't been for a long time, as far as I know. Like, I just don't play it that way. And I guess I'm not I, playing by the rules. And if I'm not playing by the rules, I might not even be playing that game. You probably not. I'm just, as, as you tell me repeatedly. Shit, man. But I'll, t- I'll tell you what, though. Um, my buddies and I were actually talking about this. My buddy Lenny and I were chatting about that, this. Dead ho- that horse is not dead, man. Let's get no, that sucker up and ride her again. But I think what's interesting, though, is that you can... D&D essentially has two core, two core things that it has, right? Fifth edition. Let's just pick on 5e. You have combat stuff. Which I love, and, by the way. I just want to yeah. say, no, I it's, love it's 5e. Like, I'm a, a game. number one fan. Game. 5e. Rules. So it's got a really solid combat set, like, hey, hit, miss, hit, miss, do this, do this, da, 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 da. It's very, in a game that has a lot, a very a heavy combat focus, it is very easy to get into a social encounter or a skill check. You hear it all the time. I, I shouldn't say all the time, but I've heard it a lot. Ooh, a natural 20 on my skill check. There's no critical. There's no crits on a skill test. check, no. It is very ingrained, though, because combat's such a big part of that game. And it's, I can see where the mentality, it, it's a shift, right? If you went combat, 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 or if you're in the middle of combat and then you try to sneak a skill check in the middle of combat, right? Fight, 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 run, make a, make an athletics check, check so you can jump the chasm. I went from pass, fail, pass, fail, pass, fail to narrated with setback. And it's very... Not necessarily, not everybody's going to find this hard, but I couldn't see where sometimes it's it's easy to get in a in a rut or a groove or like pass, fail, pass, fail, pass, fail, pass. You failed, you failed, and you died. Or you pass, fail, pass, fail. And then taking a step back and narrating can be different, right? Because you kind of get in a groove with it. So I can see where you're coming from on that. I don't think it's right. I don't think it's wrong or anything like that because it clearly says you could do either or. But I can see why folks would um, have that happen to them. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I, I know what I, you're saying. Oh, I know what you. I know I you know what you're saying. It's <laughs> good stuff. It is good stuff. Damn it, James! Thank you. <laughs> it was good. It is very good. Between Ian and Todd, man, I got a shit ton of stuff to think about. I know, right? This, this is good. Let's get a topic, get, main topic, right? I just hope those two guys don't start a podcast because we're out. Yeah, well, I hope nobody starts a podcast. We're going to be in a lot of trouble. No more podcasts. In <laughs> no more podcasts for anyone. That's it. We're done. That's uh, it. Just us. Let's get into the main topic. Uh, if I could find it. What are we, what are we talking about this week, Brett? Well, this is actually kind of tapping into something that um, that Todd mentions. And I didn't do that on purpose, but he talked about, um, hey, hey, Brett and Sean trying to compare things to other things. And I think what's interesting is I still believe the more I think about it and the more I've been involved in the hobby and stuff that there is. Um, when someone says, hey, what's a, what's a role playing game like? You say it's like this, but it's like that. And, uh, but there's pieces and parts. We're always stealing things or trying to make a connection to something else. And quite frankly, I don't know anything that can pair. I could compare a role, a tabletop role playing game to other than another tabletop role playing game because it's its own form. That said, that's a good we point, do, Brett. Like, well, yeah, okay, it's 
I'm just, yeah, we can debate that another time, but that's just this kind of a, a piece, right? And however, we do steal shit from other things, from movies, novels, TVs. Um, and I think one of the things that when we look at certain game mechanics, um, like GM intrusions or, hey, these ciphers or, hey, I can, I've got bennies to spend. I can interrupt. I've got fate points. I've got this. I've got that. I've got advantages and all this. I think one of the pieces that that stuff helps people understand or tries to mechanize in one way or another is the idea of um, story and drama, story pacing, structure, and, um, and drama. Because um, I think those are the things that if you want to look at the other kind of um, entertainment art forms of uh, theater, TV, books, blah, 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 there's, <clears throat> there's a pace, there's concepts of story structure, drama, and so on. And understanding what story beats are, dramatic events, smash cuts, those types of tools, I think... The more, if we look at those at those things as inspiration for that component, tear apart your favorite Star Trek episode. Why do you like it? Well, I really like the story. Oh, cool. That's a story piece. You can, what about the story? Did you like the way it was paced? Did you like the amount of drama it had? Was it a lot of emotional punch with just the right amount of physical com- conflict? Was there, you know, what are the pieces and parts really tear that apart? And then figure out how to steal that shit and turn it and utilize that for your game. So, for example, one of the things people say is um, when the players turtle, they stop doing stuff. They lock it up. Ninjas kick in the door. Orcs attack. Something happens. And one of the reasons that game masters do that and they say that is like the, the obvious thing to do is because when you've done this for a while, kind of harken back to our practice thing is, and this is going to sound more arrogant than I, I mean it to probably, but I, I think I've developed a fairly highly tuned sense for when I need to do something. When the story beat his, when the story structure is hit to a point and there's a lull, the crew has gotten to a point where they're spinning. They're not quite sure what to do. They're in the dungeon. It's taking a little too long. Something needs to happen. You can feel it. You can feel that something's going on. And I'm like, okay, I know what I need to do going to have somebody make a skill check. We're going to do this thing. We'll have a random encounter. We're going to spice things up a bit and get the party moving, make them make some decisions, do some stuff. Some games have tools like clocks. We've talked about that before, right? Uh, Blades in the Dark, uh, famous for that. And things like that are, I see them as drama, pacing, and story structure tools. And I think the more you look at different things, how you can steal them and so forth, to me, the really cool games I've played in are the ones where it's the story we told at the table, and not to get all um, like story gamer type of thing here, but the structure that happened. Oh, it was great. Oh, it was a nail biter. Oh, we had a lot of down. We you know had a really good downtime session. Kind of figured things out. Had a chance to breathe, and then the action went through the roof. But um, learning those pieces, I think, as not only as game masters, but I think as players, if we understood it it would be helpful because you could lean into it, right? As a player, when you can tell that something's spinning, you can see it, you're at the table, right? A lot of times you can feel it too. You're getting bored, something needs to happen and so forth. 
And if you understand the pacing and so forth, and I and, and, uh, keep saying so forth, but if you understand the pacing, how drama functions, how you tell a story, and um, what you need to do to have a dramatic event kick off, you can help instigate some of those things. And uh, you'll be one of your game master's favorite people for doing so. So that's just kind of, it was, um, it was kind of a thought that hit me after watching some Matt Colville videos and just thinking about the different um, game master advice books and things I've read or thought about over the years. Because there's, um, we could get more tactical about like, hey, read this book. Like Hamlet's Hit Points by Robin Laws is actually pretty good for a story beat structure, tearing things apart. It's not bad. I, th I found it a little dry. But that's on uh, Brett's perspective. Robin Laws is dry, but it clean and it made sense. This is how this functions, and so on. A lot of people have done other um, drama pacing, story beat type of tear parts. So you can find these things other other locations. But I think if we want to study something or really tear something apart outside of our hobby that would help us in our hobby, I think that's a big one looking at those things. Sean, what do you think about that as I take a pause here? Um, I know you've mastered it, but think about, think oh. about back when, think about back when you had it. <laughs> Dude, I, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't get into these weeds that much. I don't consciously like you're talking about story structure beats and, and t taking those examples from like books and movies and film, like, yeah. So trying to recreate example, them. For example, like if you look at the Lord of the Rings, yeah, the movie itself. So they, they have moments of, and you can, you can tell by the music, like, um, build, build, build. <laughs> Action! Who brief denouement? Oh my God! Gandalf dies. The Belrog crushes. They scream. They run outside, and they're just sitting there crying. Oh my God! What are we gonna do? We gotta get up. We gotta go to Lorien. We gotta get to Lothlorien. We gotta get out of here. And there's this moment of like they're not really in danger, right there. Right? It's just this brief respite. You have to have that. So when I'm running a D and D game, for example. Well, obviously, one of the more popular role-playing games out there. <clears throat> if there's a lot of, if you're in a dungeon crawl, action, 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 action. If the characters are like, holy shit, we are skin of our teeth. We just barely survived. Sometimes I look at that and say, you know, we're going to, they're going to find a place. They're going to rest. They're going to need their long rest because they're just getting their asses kicked, right? So here's what we're going to do. They're going to have their long rest. And we're going to roll for our random encounters, like we always do. I'm going to roll my random encounters. And I'll say, give me a, who's on watch? It's, you know, Lenny. Lenny, give me a perception check. He does his perception check. You hear something in the distance. Boar. What is it? It's a boar. It's a boar. It could be anything, <laughs> right? He's in a dungeon, you know, so we figure something out. Doesn't need to wake up the group. Okay, everyone gets their rest. It's mild. Went, oh, my God. Thank God we had one peaceful night. And then the action kicks back off. They had a chance to reset, recuperate themselves, and then go back at it. You don't have to do that all the time. But there are pieces like that of, you know, action breaks from the action. Um, when I run an Avalon game, I try to have a story going on. If it's a campaign, there's a story going on. And the player characters each have things they're trying to accomplish as well. 
So when I ran for uh, uh, Chris, Kevin, and Tom, and um, and Andy, when when I ran that game, there was everybody had different stuff they were trying to accomplish. Chris's character would want to go check in on his mom periodically because he had to do that. Kevin had to go check in on this person. So there'd be a brief downtime. There's just enough time for them to break away from the regular crazy action, take a breather, and go deal with something personal. And I think if you don't if you don't learn how to sprinkle that stuff in, and I just learned it through practice and from reading a shit ton of books watching different things that I, you know, movies and things that I like and say, Ooh, what's, what did I really like about that? That episode, that, that movie, I love the pacing, right? There was a, um, there was, um, who, uh, Clive Owen was in a movie called shoot Em up. It is insane. That movie like starts, I think like the first five minutes of it, there's no gunfighting. And after that, it's pretty much an entire movie's length of just gunfighting. That's the entire thing. It's like just constant action. Dude, you gotta go. watch. You gotta watch boss level, man. Is it okay? <laughs> that is freaking crazy. It's, it's insane. You know, yeah. you watch like a the, a John Wick movie. Yeah. Build up. Holy fuck! A moment or two of peace in between when he talks to somebody, but having those breaks and those pieces, that's important. And I don't think you. And the hard part is to not look at it clinically. <laughs> and and I. And I think that this is where the practice comes in is you almost have, you almost end up looking at it clinically in a way and saying, okay, if I plan this campaign out and you, you sit down and you start trying to do that, which I did at one point ages back, I'm like, holy fuck, my God, I just, I feel like I've just, well, after this, I, this will happen, then this will happen, then this will happen. I'm like, okay, I just destroyed everybody's agency because I've included where all the highs and lows will be. So what I found much so, uh, James and, 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 um, and Todd and, and other people talk, talk to us about it. So the randomizers, right? So something random crazy will happen. Die rolls. They'll kick the shit out of the monsters really, really fast. And I'll look around and go, wow, these guys are riding high. They've had their asses kicked for the last three encounters. They finally just trounced these guys. The bad guys have run away. You know what? I look at the group and say, "This, you guys take a breather. You realize this would be a great place to rest right now. Was, oh my god, that makes sense. Oh yeah, it's a really good idea. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna take a break. And what I'm doing is looking at the different tools in my narrative toolbox, saying, "Hey, there's." I just call them some something simple. I just say, "Hey, they need downtime. Downtime could be resting. Downtime could be dealing with personal issues, depending on what the campaign's about." An Avalon campaign, I like people to be have characters that are personally involved and invested in the neighborhood that they live in. So to do that. I make time for them to have personal goals and things that they can do. I try to sprinkle that in either every session or one or two people a session, depending who's how many people I've got playing. So I think about downtime, personal things like that, dramatic events like, hey, we've had a lot of combat, you know, the last two weeks of gaming. This week in this Avalon game, there's really no need to have combat. They solve most of the combat problems, the immediate combat problems. Now they have a lot of piecing together of things. And that was an investigative beat, right? Where they just kind of take a break, ask questions, talk to people and figure things out. Yeah, they could get crazy and kick off a combat anyway. But that's not my my plan or not my intent for the evenings. Does that make, am I making sense, Sean? I'm doing it by gut. I haven't sat down 
and written it out. And I've been thinking about this more because I helped my daughter plan out her D&D game that she's going to run at Evercon. We've written down different pieces about, hey, have this here, have this type of thing here. Here's some talking points for these people and so on. And I think, I think it might be worth writing, having me write down, at least for myself, so if anybody asks me what ex- how exactly tactically I'm doing it, might be worth doing to say, hey, this is what I mean when when I look at something and say, hey, there, we should have a downtime here. We need some action. We need some random violence. That's another one I've, I do. I have these types of tools that I use. In uh, my old vampire days, the characters would start turtling something. We were having them like, fuck it, random violence. Somebody gets shot. That blow something up. Light shit on fire. Random bad thing occurs. Kick everybody into gear. So. So, yes, I do do that because I don't. I'm sure that there's times when the players don't want things to become uh, boring, if you will, or or stagnant, or it's a lull. Lulls in games are okay for resting and Mm. whatever, Um, recuperating, specifically healing and charging, recharging. Well, following up on stuff. If you're running a Cthulhu Delta Green game, sometimes it's like, look, I just got, we had a shootout with the gang members or possibly cultists. Now we've got to go talk to people, you know? Right. And it, so it depends on the game because Call of Cthulhu and Delta Green's different than D&D and any other thing you want to throw in the mix and f- feng shui. Yep. Um, yeah. So if I were in Feng Shui, I would want to throw like, you know, a, a lot of obstacles their way. And I would I would want to treat it like an 80s action movie. Like, yeah, there's some weird dialogue, some weird baddie that's monologuing and it gets away. So you do and, break for corny 80s music. and Yes, maybe. Cinemax, Cinemax sex scenes, dude, just for fun. Well, 80s you know. To play like you know, take my breath away, and you know. I'm just saying, even cut, even an cut 80s to movie, another scene. Even an '80s action movie had downtime moments. Yes, you know, it was usually with some uh, weird, not weird love, some love interest or something was probably like some romance until like he or she was kidnapped or something. So if you think of a Stallone uh, movie, Over the Top, so he's got his kid. He yeah, has all these bond- he has all these bonding moments with his kid. You know, turn the hat around over the top, you know, <laughs> arm wrestling movie of all the weird things. <laughs> but all of those types of, like I said, I the, the reason I'm bringing this up is because we'll often think about like, hey, you know, side quests or what do I do if my players are turtling? What do I do about this? Or, hey, here's a way to use like a way to make, you know, your combat narrative or think about this and so forth. And I just... We do compare things a lot to role-playing games, and that got me thinking, you know, what what should I actually be trying to steal from these other art forms? If I look at a movie and say, ooh, I really like that scene. I like that action. I like, I like what they did in that Star Wars episode. Um, I like what they did in that whatever. What, what did they do, right? Because it's not just the story. Because if you take, like, an X-Files story, you go, ooh, they had to, uh, a weird monster showed up. They investigated the monster. They talked to people who didn't believe in the monster. Um, 
Scully and Mulder saw the monster, and Scully disbelieves the monster, even though she saw it. End. Right. That that's the story, but I mean, or that's not what you're really taking out of it. What you're really taking out of it is the tension, the drama, the the how they pieced all those different parts together. You know what I'm saying? I do dissecting it a little bit more. Yeah. See, I would. I would. I think was it Ozark. You just don't oh, put that much thought. You just don't put that much thought into your craft. Is that I kind of just a sloppy, sloppy gamer. Is that it? No, that's not it. I don't like it. I think there is. You have to be careful because you're going to tread on a. Yeah. A forcing of of what is going to occur. See, yeah, I think, that's why I think a lot that's of game why you master, can't, Yeah, I think sorry, a lot go, of game go, go. masters come to the table and they're like, "I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that, and then this is going to happen, and then this is going to happen, and then this is going to happen." Which is over the years, what I would I would say is like, "Yep, standard play." And now I'm kind of going, I don't I don't think that's the way to do things because we don't know what the players are going to do. You just have to put the shit in front of them and let them talky talk themselves out of there or have the orc lose their temper. And all of a sudden now what you thought was just a normal encounter is now combat. Yes. And what I'm saying is that when we talk about like encounters, right? Yeah. Not every, you shouldn't say combat encounter, non-combat encounter it should just be an encounter. Correct. I agree. How does, how does it play? Agreed. And thinking combat, non-combat. Okay. That's very binary. And non-combat encounter has multiple things. Encountering an empty room in a dungeon, which seems to be the safest place that you can rest, and by God, the characters need a really good rest. Giving them an easy night, letting them recuperate because they need a breather. That's in your toolbox. Yes. Or something wanders down the hallway. Right. Something wanders down the hallway. Or they're having that encounter with the NPC at the you know at the starport and they piss off the princess and she decides to have her guards punch the guy in the face because they well guess what you've got the build up build up build up build up you can see where it's going right yeah and you can decide hey uh yes i can i can allow a fight to happen or i could back the fight down right right and what i'm saying is keeping these different ideas in place and like um, you can watch a show or you see different pieces. Uh, our, authors will do it too in books. You smash cut from one group to another. Something will be happening. And then they're on the verge of that fight with the princess and her bodyguard. And you say, okay, hold that for a second. And you spin over. You say, Sean, you and Eileen are over here talking to the mercenaries. What did you do? Okay, let's, 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 get, let's give you a little traction, a little limelight over here. The other group's got some downtime. You swing back, say, okay. Now, remember, she looks steamed. Her bodyguard's itching to punch you. Do you want to start a fight here? Right? Is that is that kind of what you're going for? And um, the more you understand these different pieces and parts, you can implement them as needed. You could take a scene and say, boy, the characters really want this to be something. What do they want it to be? You don't have a preconceived notion going into it. They say, wow, they really... All the words and all the actions they're taking are that we don't want to fight anymore tonight. We want to sit down. We don't want to go after the main thing anymore. We all started talking about our personal goals and how we need a break for two seconds to go check on my mother. You know what I'm saying? This, they're telling you, they're, for, they're broadcasting to you that they need a different, they need a change in what's going on. So you give it again. So, yeah. Oh. Why not? Why? 
Same reason why. Like, I could pose the question why. Because I'm not an asshole. Roll a die. (laughs) Roll a die. Right? Roll the die. On a one, on a D6, tough shit. You guys aren't freaking resting. I guess. That's how I'm going to do it. Well, I mean, there is something to be said about the the movie or book or the scenario where they're like, dude, I just want to rest. Oh, you know, and then something comes barging in the door again. It's like, yep. and that's a, shit. That's a, that's a theme. Yeah. That's a theme you can do from how you've structured this campaign, this adventure. It's like, look, there's no rest. No rest for the wicked is a theme I've got going. And I just push, 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 push. Not a lot of breaks. Right. Totally fine. Yeah. I mean. Yes, you, you. I don't think there's a wrong answer necessarily, yeah. but, you know. It, what I'm saying is that those are the types of things we should be, if you want to look out to another art form and steal it, look at how they're dramatizing this stuff, right? How does how does the John Wick movie work? How does the Star Wars movie work? How do um, you, the novel you're reading and so forth, is it like a non, a breakneck pace of holy shit by the end of the book? You're just, oh, my God, I'm exhausted. Just the, the, the hell this person went through. That's fun. That could be a blast, and then that's that's be. a dramatic theme, and a, a thing you put, can put together. But I think that understanding the structure points and figuring that out, it can't. It's not like you have to follow it verbatim, but understanding that stuff, I think, gives you better under a better grip on how to do different things in your games. I yeah, I would agree with that for <clears throat> sure. Yeah, absolutely. That's all I'm saying. Well, shit, man. Why didn't you say that to begin with? Christ, we could have wrapped this up like 20 minutes ago. I tried to, but you're so belligerent. (laughs) All right. I think we're good. So, yes. (laughs) Anyway, that's just uh, some thoughts I had on that. And um, Sean made me feel dumb, so I'm sad. But anyway. (laughs) Decent. Anyway, let us know what you think. Right, wrong, indifferent. If you got pointers, ideas, if you got some specific examples, if you'd like us to dig into it further, uh, we can do so. Um, I didn't want to spend like hours chunking out very different, potentially very tactical things if nobody has any interest in discussing or listening to that type of thing. So if that's at all, at all interesting, let me know. Um, LaShawn and I know we can uh, tear it apart from there. So we good, Ben? We're good, dude. All right, let's move on to die roll. Let's get into die roll. Two to four miscellaneous points of gaming and geekery we want to bring to you. This week we've got let's see. So I put the first I put the first one out there. It's a Matt Colville video called Language Not Rules. It's more of a it's it's an interesting take on rules as language and and so forth. I liked it. I thought it was a really I thought it was a really good um really good video. Had a lot of good points to it, and I'm I think I pretty much ninety some percent agree. So anyway. Link out there. Take a look at it. A little YouTube for you. And you put out the Adventurer's Guide to Greyhawk, an article out there. I did. That looks, that looks pretty cool. Yeah. It's actually, if you don't know Greyhawk very well, I thought it was a pretty good article. And I am, like, not the best at Greyhawk. What in the hell is going on here? Oh, fantastic. Um, It's a good, really quick primer. So if you're interested in it at all, it's not that bad. Yeah, it's a pretty, it's a pretty good little primer. It covers a lot of the main... High points too. Kind of cool. Good find. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. And then the last one, not the last one, next one. I went over a couple of these on Saturday during a stream. Um, Roll20 got a new CEO, in case anybody did not know. So there you go. Um, which I thought was interesting. His background it comes from Google. Huh. 
so Nolan, who's the CEO and kind of, I think he's like the founder, he's stepping aside. He'll still be on the board, but huh. he's stepping aside from being the CEO. So I just, it's interesting to see what changes might come of this for Roll20. Yeah, because he's not a gamer at heart, not to start with. Yeah, somebody <coughs> said, oh, he said he's played D&D before. Score tabletop since joining. Since joining, yeah. he's played games like Call of Duty, Pathfinder, Second Edition, and additional D and D campaigns. So he's an app guy. He is. He's a product. He focuses on product management and building successful products and features. So, well, the cool things that you've got potentially in in that is you've got somebody who understands app development. Now it's supposed to function. It's like, okay, what's it supposed to do? How do we make this work the best way? So on and so forth. So that could be cool, interesting. Yeah. And then, happens. and then the last one, which people might or may not be aware of, I don't know if Brett did. So there is a uh, group that owns the Alta Fox Capital Management owns 2.5% worth of stock in Hasbro. And they're trying to get some board seats because, uh -huh. because they want Hasbro and the shareholders to vote to spin off Wizards of the Coast to its own company. Again, like <laughs> probably its own public company, I'm guessing. Um, so who knows what's going to happen with this? So they, they've, Basically, believe that Hasbro's keeping them down. I, that's my interpretation. We, Alta Fox, cannot stand idly by as Hasbro's board of directors makes unforced errors in capital allocation, corporate governance, and investor communication. We believe the board's intransigence and missteps are eroding the market share and promise of America's most iconic companies. Well, wow. yeah. Further accuses Hasbro of perverse executive compensation structure. <laughs> Interesting. Whatever. Huh. One of my, uh, one of, the old, one of the old guys, Tim Cask, when um, Wizards announced, like, hey, 2024, you know, the new thing for D&D, &D, and the, I read stuff like this, and it reminds me of the thing Tim Cask said. He goes, hey, young gamers, hi, let me tell you, I know how you feel. I know how you feel. You feel like someone took your game away, I'm paraphrasing, right? You know, that's okay. It's all right. Once you're done, you're ready, you're ready for it. We're here in the curmudgeon's corner. We'll, we'll share a drink, and we'll commiserate together. But it's okay. It's okay. You can still play the game you love. It's all right. Don't worry about it. It's all cool. <laughs> I, I told people on the stream Saturday that we should all buy... I should do a Kickstarter for, um, and everybody gets a share of Hasbro. And then we could dictate whatever the hell happens to Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> and then the joke continued to say that there would be um, a particular set of gamers that would sit there and whine and cry about something specific. And then we would there never agree to anything. So, yes. Anyways, that's all we had for Die Roll this week. What are we talking about next week, Brett? I've got two options for you, Sean. The, the Basin RPG, we can Ooh. talk about that. Or I was also thinking about another topic we've got on, in the hopper here is uh, using lore and settings to solve problems, issues, and whatnot. So uh, one of those two will, will be on deck in two weeks. So it'll be one of those. But that's what I'm looking at. That sounds fantastic. I think, bo I think both would fun. lend themselves to either freely because on, on one, like the, the lore piece, you kind of have to incorporate that into Forbidden Lands. Honestly, very true. Kind of and uh, lore is key to Basin as well, actually. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Without figuring out the Basin you're dealing with, good fucking luck fixing that problem. <laughs> Very good luck. Well, whatever cool. we come up with, I am looking forward to it. I, I sure, I'm sure you are. All right. Awesome, man. Yeah. So if you've tuned in live to this, thank you so much. It's good to see everybody. I hope you're all doing well. Appreciate it. If you get any value out of this whatsoever, give us a like and be sure to subscribe. Otherwise, you could see this and catch us. It's your podcatcher of choice. Just bring up Gaming NBS, hit subscribe, let somebody know about the show. See what they have to say about it. Otherwise, uh, I'm Sean. 
I'm Brett. Good night and good game and all. This episode of Gaming and BS produced with help from the following BSers. Joe Swick, Old School DM, Tony Sugarloaf Baker, Eric Jeppesen, Andy Hall, Chris Steele, Remy Bilodeau, Jason Hobbs, Mark Tasaka, Marco Froelich, Pure Mongrel, Brett Bozinski, Brandon Barnes, Eileen Barnes, Dan LaValley, C.W. Mellencamp, Victor Wyatt, Craig Huber, Roger Brasslett, Jared Rasher, Finnell, Ray Otis, Jim Fitzpatrick, Old Scoozer Roleplaying, Curtis Takahashi, Larry Hout, Ron Bishop, Mark Richmond, Chad Glayman, Craig, Howard Bishop, Josh Wallace, Corey Welch, Angus, Eric Salzweedle, George Sedgwick, Robert Nemeth, Brian Kurtz, Laramie Wall, Eric Avia, Andy Olson, Jeff Seifert, John Kayward, Corey Gonzalez, Niall Diamond, Aaron Ralia, Jeff Goad, Aaron Coleman, Brian Rumble, Rich Wishon, David F. Baylog, Harrigan, Melissa Bashinsky, H.N., Colcago, Eric Tavola, Hus Carl, Yorkus Rex, Ghost GM, Mike Hess Jr., Rory Weston, Jim Ingram, Daniel Garrett, Eric Frank House Presents, Phil McClory, Adam Grotejohn, Jay Plata, Ed Nyes, The Duke in Purple, Isaiah Aries Christian, Larry Hollis, Craig Shipman, Todd Sharp, Orcus Dorcas, Chris Shore, Michael O'Holland, Wayne Peacock, Mike Coleman, Kevin Keneally, Zagrave, Vornak, Farty McButterpants, Andrew Lear, Craig Chunglo, Eric Lunsford, Ty Pronti, Feeling Good Lewis, Ziga Paradzik, Nick Westbrook, John Mahoney, Crystal Eggstead, Zalea, Zwiefer, and Hypnocode. Hey, if you'd like to hear more of me, Sean, talk more than what's on this episode of Gaming NBS, you can tune in every Saturday at 8 p.m. Central Time on the How to RPG dot com youtube channel so just go to how to rpg that's h-o-w the number two rpg.com tune in at 8 a.m central time for a live chat talking about the rpg hobby industry and games love to see you thanks bsers this, this has, has been, been a litter box studio production, studio production.